Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. And today we're talking about season six, episode 10, titled Nippy, which of course is the dog's name. And not a commentary on how cold it is outside. Oh, cold outside. And, and uh, isn't, isn't that a, a word for like stealing things? You to, to nip something? Or is that Nick? Nick or Nab. Yeah. Okay. So is it just the weather and the dog? Can't be it. I think so. I think that's it. Hmm. All right. Catnip. Well, it's, it's fine. Uh, what do you think of this episode? We finally got it. We finally got a full black and white gene episode. Yeah. We've been the prophesied full gene episode. The beginning of my notes say gene scene exclamation mark i didn't realize it was going to be gene episode <laughs> right which i i thoroughly enjoyed yeah i did too it was nice to it was nice to fast forward for a longer bit um we also got roughly 30 minutes of jim O'Hare eating cinnabon mm-hmm. and enjoying the hell out of it and i'm, I'm not really i'm not mad about it <laughs> honestly <laughs> i'm not either i'm jealous he's deeply uh, jealous he, he eats it well, too. You know, he doesn't just jam his hand into this soggy, gooey mess <laughs> and cram it in his mouth. He's very, he's sophisticated. He's sophisticated, yeah. He's classy. Yep. <laughs> I have all kinds of questions around those scenes that we'll get to. But okay. yes, I, I really enjoyed seeing, obviously, Jerry from Parks and Rec. Yeah, if yeah. If you're familiar with you... this guy, that's where you know him from. <laughs> exactly. Every episode, literally every episode of Parks and Rec. Yeah. And I absolutely love they kept his character roughly the same. Basically, yeah. Which we'll talk about later, too. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really like this episode. I will say it does not move the ball very far forward. If we're going to put it in, like, football terms, <laughs> they gained a yard on this. But honestly, yeah. they but they needed, like, <laughs> 25. Um, maybe. Or maybe the they didn't. The Who knows? Right, right. And we still have plenty of time, so yeah. no big deal. But yes, this was very much like a setup and um, getting Gene into a place where he's a character that we that has like some agency, right? Yeah, it's the first Gene heist we've uh-huh. ever seen, for sure. Yeah, so I, I didn't feel like it was not worthy of our time. Mm-hmm. I felt like it, it was extremely enjoyable to watch mm-hmm. uh, in that way that you know, better call Saul and, and slip and Jimmy scams are where yeah. as they unfold, you start to see the details of it and everything just locks in and makes sense by the end of it. And there's always a dramatic moment yes. <laughs> where things all, all seems lost. Uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah. I remember back in the coffee shop, you know, with or coffee shop, coffee <laughs> shop, uh, copier shop when, you know, his, his dude gets stuck inside mm-hmm. the thing because uh you know his uh, 
some dude got kicked out of his house and had to spend the night there. And yeah, it was, it was a whole thing. Yeah, his scams always seem to have like one thing that doesn't go quite perfect. A little wrinkle. Yeah. And then we know, and I have a lot of questions around this, we know that these scams tend to lead to more problems. You know, mm-hmm. this is never just like, all right, I scanned my way out of that, and yeah. there's no way this can come back on me, and everything is fine. But Gene is playing it like that at the end, which is scary to me. That is kind of scary, especially because Gene knows Jimmy's history. Gene is Jimmy. <laughs> right. So what are you Think thinking, about man? about why you're here in the situation yeah. you are. Right. And it ain't because you played everything by the book. It's because you're slipping. Mm-hmm. Slipping Gene. So, yeah, there's probably... It's probably a lot of uh, ice to slip on here. He's probably already <laughs> slipped and just doesn't realize it. Probably. Cracked his head on the ground. There's a, a nice polished floor underneath him. There's always consequences. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what those look like mm-hmm. for Gene in this setting. You ready? I'm ready. I'm All ready right. if you are. I'm ready. No teaser again. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Carol Burnett goes grocery shopping and encounters Gene on her way home. Turns out she's Cabbie Jeff's mom, and Saul's there to get him off his back. Gene is there to get him off his back. Is she Cabbie Jeff's mom? She's Cabbie Jeff's mom. Is Cabbie Jeff Cabbie Jeff? Uh, yes. He's wearing the same clothes. He's got the same isotopes air freshener in his cab. He's driving a cab. It's true. He's not the same man, though. That's 100% for sure. 100%, yes. He was recast. Due to a scheduling conflict. Yeah. Who could have predicted that four years after somebody's first appearance on a show, <laughs> they wouldn't immediately be available for shooting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? I'm fine with it. It is what it is. It didn't like mess with my enjoyment of the story or the character. I will say, I think he plays the character a little bit differently. There's a little bit more of an anxious energy to yep. the character where there was more Less of a menace. douchey confidence before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It is a different take on the Jeff character. Um, I, I wish there was some way to like go back and, and smooth that over. And I'm sure the production team <laughs> does too, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's but fine. they they do a good enough job of telling us, hey, this is Jeff. I mean that that opening shot of him looking in the mirror mm-hmm. with the air freshener dangling from it, yeah, is exactly yeah that that's like the thing you remember about Jeff if you remember anything. Yeah, I mean that's Gene. that's what made Gene panic in the first place. Yeah, what set him on this new path. Yep. So I guess that worked for me. Uh, I I really like these scenes. I'm not a Carol Burnett fan, which is not to say I don't like her. I just mm. don't know her. It's not I'm, familiar with her work. Yeah. I might've seen some of the Carol Burnett show on Nick at night or something when I was super young, but sure. like there was, yeah, that, that was the generation before me. Um, but people were excited about Carol Burnett being on this. Yeah. Uh, early, early American female comedy uh-huh. is yeah something I care a lot about. I'm, I'm more a uh, uh, Murphy Brown type <laughs> sure. of guy. Not really comedy, but okay. What? The Murphy Wait. Brown show? Yeah. Uh, is it? not Okay, I don't. She's absolutely comedy. I'm actually not super familiar. Yeah, that's a generation <laughs> for you. Sure. Uh, a, a lot of good stuff in here. They're doing a lot of good characterization with her to show that she's like a, a crabby old lady, essentially. <laughs> and She's a fun old lady. I think crabby is the wrong word. She's fun. Fun? Yeah. 
Just Tell sassy. Tell Wisconsin to cram it up their schnauzer hole. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is schnauzer farms. Did you see the, the packaging? Oh, yeah, you're I right. I love that because, okay. you know, Tom Schnauz is a name that we're all familiar with. Definitely. As uh, fans of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. So, like, to have it schnauzer farms, it's... <laughs> You know, kind of like what they did with uh, Hank's beer, right? The Schrader. Schrader Brow. Schrader yeah. Brow uh, in Breaking Bad. Yeah, she's not a fan of extra sharp cheddar. And to be fair, it's a strong flavor. It I'm is a strong flavor. It's a strong flavor for an old white lady. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but but I, I think she's crabby because she's like, she's stubborn. She's like clearly set in her ways and super stubborn. Hmm. Like the scene where she, you know, is rolling up the sidewalk and gets stuck clearly can't get out of that situation and she's like nah i don't need a i don't need help yeah well she could maybe get out of that situation but yeah she is she wants to do things for herself i'd say i'd say she's more self-possessed than she is crabby she's hmm. she's got a strong personality i don't know seem crabby to me independent but lady clearly uh jean placed like a stick or something in the sidewalk there to stop her. Yeah, or like a a wet bag or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know what? When we saw him like lean down to switch uh, off behind the, her to turn yeah. off her, to, to put her scooter in neutral and then he cut her that, that cable. I thought that was a brake line. We were both terrified <laughs> that that was a brake <laughs> line. And I'm like, I don't want to watch an old lady get run over right? the beginning of this episode what the hell yeah how does that help you uh <laughs> that's just gonna bring more attention man <laughs> yeah. but yeah it turns out that was just the battery connector uh, battery wire yeah and it you know all this stuff shows like how long gene has been observing this and planning this right like mm-hmm. he's observed her long enough that he knows uh not just what her route is but that she even has a route that, right. that she travels like he has to observe her day after day mm-hmm. in order to get that information. I don't know how he does that, given that you know he works at Cinnabon pretty much During morning to night. Yeah. Um, Must maybe this the is weekend. a weekend. Yeah. yeah. So maybe she thinking. shops on the weekend. It's like the worst possible time to grocery shop, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he has Mondays off or something. Who knows? <laughs> and he just does that. So this might have been you know weeks, months in the planning, uh, which makes you wonder. Why Jeff wasn't coming around before then. Yeah. I don't know. He probably... He didn't really know exactly where he lives. He was just like, well, he get, he told him, like, take me to this address, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder why Jeff didn't come around sooner. I don't know. We know that Jimmy is very good with timing. At least at the beginning of his cons. So, none mm-hmm. of this really, like, threatened my sense of whatever my sense of disbelief no me either i I thought it was it was all good man (laughs) um i i I like the intro too but between like you know the um the scooter stuff that he does and then hanging out at her house uh there's the intro right Mm -hmm. Uh, with the theme song and everything and the tape just like stops playing yeah which that was a nice touch. I'm wondering where they can go from here. You know, if the tape is broken, do they just have it next time? No music, no nothing, no <laughs> video. It just says like no tape found or please load a tape or 
is it like the cassettes pulled out and sitting on the VCR and the tape is like <laughs> hanging out of it like you got eaten? I oh mean, boy, you're really you're really thinking about this part of it. I've mean, got like four <laughs> more episodes to go and it's degrading fast. Yeah, so. no, you're right. Uh, Peach Snops. Peach Snops, by the way. Interesting choice. Yeah, it feels like a thing that an old, old lady might drink. Is that a Midwestern thing? Sure. Mm. I could see it. Just by itself, though? Gosh. Put it in some OJ. Makes it a lot better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Put a little bit of, what is it, grenadine in there, too? Okay. You're, mm, I was going to say you're part of the way to Tequila Sunrise, but kid, that requires tequila. tequila. Yeah. So, actually, I don't know anything. You are. You're about 20% short <laughs> of a tequila sunrise. Uh, I, it's an interesting move, and it's a very uh, Gene Jimmy Saul move to try to get somebody off his back by scamming with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... And by the end of the episode, you understand, like, the true purpose of it, right? That mm-hmm. mutually assured destruction that he talks about. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So it's both fun to see. And then they add that wrinkle where it's like extra clever because he's entrapped them into his web of lies. His and web he will of go lies. down if they go down. Deceit. It's true. Um, I really love Bob Odenkirk playing this wholesome Midwest housemaker, <laughs> uh, you know, cooking dinner and all yeah. this stuff. It kind of takes you back to his early days with the Elder Law stuff. Mm hmm. Slipping Jimmy. I um, liked him with the Elder Law stuff. I did too. Was- yeah. I don't know, like, yeah, obviously, he's manipulating people as he's talking to them, but also he knows how to make a person feel kind of good and yep. friendly and accepted. Yeah, I think, like, that's part of what the, the dog posters or flyers are about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he knows this woman is self-motive, what did you call her? <laughs> Self-possessed. Self-possessed, yeah. Um AKA Krabby. <laughs> no, what? Am I Krabby? I'm self possessed. No, Am I Krabby? No, no. And, and he knows that he's got something against old ladies. Like, crack that outer shell, right? Sure. I don't have anything against old ladies. <laughs> got to crack that crab shell. This old lady, this Krabby old one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's got to crack that crab shell with the picture of the dog, right? Yeah, he's instant find sympathy. A way in there. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they already know each other, at least a little bit. Because he calls her by name, but while they're on the sidewalk still, and she's inviting him in. Yeah. So either she goes by the mall sometimes, or yeah, she's a Cinnabon lover. Maybe he's walked past her. Maybe that's how he knows her route. He's greeted her on the street. Could be. Could be. Makes it more reasonable that he would happen to be nearby when she broke down. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now. Don't ask me what her name was, because I don't remember. Marion. Marion, okay. Yeah. I only knew that because I looked it up. <laughs> okay. Because, yeah, I, I didn't pick it up during the episode either. It's it The clerk at the store, at the deli, says it. And Gene says it, too, on the street. Right. right. But, yeah. I, I knew it was him, but that was it. And then there's, um, you know, Jeff comes home, and he's dismayed to see Gene, <laughs> a.k.a. Saul Goodman, in his mm-hmm. mom's kitchen. Right. I think he's living with her, right? It seems like it, yeah. That's the impression I got. And mm-hmm. I, I like the later when, you know, that night after they've had dinner and everything and they go out to the trash and 
Jeff's like, all right, what's what's going on here, man? And he's like, well, you want in the game. And he offers him that Saul Goodman life. And, and he does it by like, you know, laying out a picture of his life that isn't pathetic. It's not sad, right? It's just like, Mediocre. He says you're sweating the bills. Like it's a hard life. Yeah. It's not. It's not a sad, pathetic. You should be ashamed. Life. And he specifically doesn't mention him living with his mother mm-hmm. because that might introduce shame into the equation right. and then just turn this whole thing against him. Because He's like a huge distraction. You're sweating the bills. You're trying to pay off that cab. You've. Uh, you're getting older, right? It's like it's nothing he should be ashamed of. It's just stuff that's like hard on him. Yeah, totally. I like that. That that's a nuance of Saul. That he understands people, like you were saying. He really does. Next, we are with Gene, closing up the Cinnabon the next night. He charms his way into the security room with Cinnabon and establishes a routine over a course of a montage. Yes. I forgot to talk uh, in the previous scene, because it's like a kind of a separate scene, but he goes home after Oh, uh, yeah, sure. And he's listening on the police scanner for news of... His whereabouts. Yeah, and he's riffling. He's riffling through his old Saul Goodman stuff, yeah. and he's putting the pinky ring back on. Oh, yeah, that's like the first bit of Saul accoutrement that he mm-hmm. regains. That pinky ring gives him power. Pinky ring gives him power. Scam power. The rusty nail does not, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. The rusty nail is a very Gene thing. The pinky ring is a honestly slipping Jimmy thing. That's not even Saul Goodman. Now that we know more about it, that goes all the way yeah, back. Yeah, it does. It does go all the way back. He was not quite Saul Goodman yet Yeah. when his friend died. Anyway, but, yeah, I, I just want to talk about you know him listening and knowing that he hasn't turned him in yet and all that. Yeah. Uh, just in case anybody forgot, that pinky ring is from his friend that he used to run little cons with, small-time yeah. cons with. He's the same one who died in an alley mm-hmm. from a heart attack. So. Marco. Marco. Okay, now we can talk about the the scenes where he's charming the guards. Yeah, Cinnabon. <laughs> I deeply regret every time I leave this house since I've seen this episode and not gotten a Cinnabon. Yeah. <sighs> it's on my mind. I'd like to have one. Not every day. Not like Frank. Because <laughs> then I would look like yeah. Frank. But <laughs> well, definitely one. One would be good. One would be good. Just one hot, sticky... Mm-hmm. gooey mm-hmm. Cinnabon just to stick my bear paw right in. Yeah. Eat it like an animal. Yeah. <laughs> do so, Go full mukbang with it. Uh, Sorry, there... I'm, I'm just having Cinnabon thoughts now. You're going to have to move us on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, you couldn't have picked a nicer looking guy for the security guard, right? Yeah. Jerry from Parks and Rec and they didn't change him much. Um, which is a very friendly, open yep. personality. Yeah. Just gave him a a different job he has the same like good family life at home mm-hmm. later when he's like is it Saul's like you felt like this before and well no not me but <laughs> when he, people when he fake breaks down yeah, yeah yeah of course Jerry doesn't have bad days come on <laughs> or if he does have bad days he just like <laughs> I don't know power of positivity through through him mm-hmm. I, I was super worried for Frank in these scenes because I thought okay no, no. Jimmy's put something in this. The way that Jimmy's looking at it, the timing. Yeah, the timing. It. The really focusing on how this man eats a Cinnabon. I was I was waiting for like severe poop <laughs> cramps to hit. I was waiting uh, for all kind of like sleeping something. Yeah. And it's, 
he's sweating a little bit and I noticed <laughs> yes. the sweat glistening on his lip. I'm like, there it is. The laxatives are kicking in, baby. But no, no, it was even, it was, it was better. And that's one better, of the things yeah. about Better Call Saul is those scams are always better than I think they're going to be. Yeah. You, you think you maybe know the angle and then the show tells you that you're a slight moron. And I hope you're, I hope you're on board with this. I hope you think it's clever because it's the rest of the damn episode. It is the rest of the damn episode. Like I said at the top, like 30 minutes of this episode is this man eating cinnamon buns Mm -hmm. and enjoying the hell out of it, but still, damn. I do wonder how he knew Frank's both demeanor and proclivity for the sweets because I understand how he could know that Nick leaves a 945 every night, right? He sees him in the parking lot Mm, doing his rounds. The other security guard, yeah. Yeah, but how does he, how does Frank not recognize him and yet he knows so much about him? What what will get to him? I couldn't really come up with a good, plausible scenario for that. Because he's clearly not talking to Nick. Yeah, I know. My, my understanding of, so weird way to phrase it, but like mall culture, working in a mall culture, is that everybody kind of knows everybody. Because you mm-hmm. see each other every day, either just walking by or in the uh, lunch area. Gotcha. Or... So maybe he's stopped by a few times. Yeah. The Cinnabon. He's or... probably gotten some sneaky Cinnabons before. He okay. strikes me as a man who has had a sneaky hmm. Cinnabon a time or two. Yeah. I can get behind that. That seems plausible to me. That's, I mean, that's me explaining the show away, but... It makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Did you notice, and you did notice because I pointed it out while we were watching it, when he, when Gene says Scout's Honor, he crosses his fingers. He literally mm. holds up his hand and crosses his fingers. One, not the Boy Scout motto. Two, <laughs> it's what you do when you're lying about something, man. True. Lying. Lying like a dog. Yep. He... he is that subconscious is that what is that it seems intentional yeah it seems like a little jokey joke for himself in the moment he does that every once in a while he does that every once in a while he (laughs) likes to amuse himself back in that Kashada episode his (laughs) accent was that (laughs) like he just wanted to play that preacher so he could do the accent yeah oh yeah oh my god a thousand (laughs) years ago when he's trying to get Huel yeah. To not go to prison. Mm-hmm. He's writing a bunch of, yeah, 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 all the Louisiana stuff. <laughs> that seems like a fun accent to fake. I will not do it here. No. Because it will not be good. No, that would offend everyone, including myself. Oh. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah. You got deep ties to. No, I just have to hear it. <laughs> what if What if I said Nolens? Nolens? I mean, that's just how you say it, right? <laughs> If you're from there. And I'm definitely from there. Yeah. Confirmed. I'm not. Uh, so we get like the, the big montage, you know, of him making the Cinnabon and taking it to Frank. And Doing it like every night for a week or some crazy shit like that. Yeah, long enough to like for Nick to get familiar with him and start And like actually liking him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it took a while this song that's playing apparently is from an old Mission Impossible. I guess the TV series. I don't know. Again, before my time. Uh, it's called Jim on the Move, though, which is a <laughs> particularly 
perfect choice, I guess. Well, you know that's what they do. They just Google the the name of the character and the feeling or what they're doing <laughs> in the moment, and then one of the top three song results that's one that they not, not according to Peter Gould. Peter Gould says, know. and Michelle McLaren specifically said, like, I came to Peter and asked, like, do you have any specific songs in mind for this? Mm. I'm thinking something along the lines of, like, Mission Impossible meets Austin Powers. And he was like, you. as a matter of fact, I do. So it's a coincidence. Okay. Yeah, and they had trouble clearing it, I guess. Um, hmm. Yeah, the uh, there's a lot of stuff, you know, that I like about the insider podcast and this week they had a couple of things like the the stuff with jeff i really wanted to know about yeah the stuff with jeff the stuff with the mall was super interesting the department store uh-huh oh my god i will we'll talk about that when we get to it but boy what a it's a lot of work it's a lot of work to make a show yeah sure is to make uh, one episode of a show and apparently it was a lot of work to get this song too so hmm. yeah go check that out if you want the full story there's a lot of good stuff in there yeah so after this montage, uh, we follow Gene to a department store in the mall. We watch him map it out by foot, foot by foot with his feet. Then we watch him run Jeff, Cabby Jeff, in a field that he's marked with the store layout. He's training him. Mm-hmm. And during this, we start to fully understand the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in previous scenes, he, you should have been noticing. I was noticing everything but this until... Uh, this point, but should have been noticing that when Frank eats the Cinnabon, he turns away from the security monitors. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, okay, well, how is that going to help him? Um, and here we see, okay, they're going to send Jeff in to the store. He's going to steal a bunch of stuff real quick and then get out with it. And if, you know, they don't catch him on the security monitors, they'll never know anything's wrong until they perform inventory at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And by that time, the tapes the security tapes will, will have been, been erased. Yeah. So it's actually a, a really like good scam. I, I think like this would probably work, especially in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Totally. So yeah, back, back before they had like cloud data and all that <laughs> stuff going up to the cloud constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's being backed up. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If it's all on tapes, it's not it, only like the highest security stuff ever got. Oh, we have, you know, rotating tapes for like a month or a year or something. And Mm -hmm. we can go back to any of that stuff now. 72 hours feels right. It does feel right. In the scene, I I only noticed it on the second watch or I thought to notice it on the second watch. There's a really cool transition between uh, Gene's feet as he is walking through the mall, like marking the steps and then onto the snowy field. It just Mm. goes from one step to the next. You're in the snowy field. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. It's a good way to get us there quickly. They are good with that stuff. Very good. You want to talk about this mnemonic, like, beat poem? Sure. <laughs> I didn't write it down. I don't know memorize. it word. Yeah. So, so Saul, so Jimmy, this whole thing. Yeah. Patagonia to survive is five. I know mm-hmm. that for sure. Yeah. Um, uh what was it <laughs> nine lacy lingerie is mine or something like that <laughs> yeah something like that uh-huh that was a good one you were kind of giving jeff a little bit of a hard time for going like out loud going through that mnemonic as he is in the department store later but yeah that would actually be super useful for me that would help me focus sure just repeating that to myself 
Yeah, well, what if like a security guard's walk? I mean, I guess he knows there aren't going to be any security guards walking by. Yeah. So nobody's I mean, going to hear him. First thing a security guard walking by is going to notice is that there is somebody in the store after hours. Probably not going to give a shit what they're saying. <laughs> well, they have to see him for that. But if they don't, mm, sure. if they hear him talking out loud to himself, they're going to know somebody's in there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It probably does help to say it out loud. Running on a snowy field seems like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got boots. He should, sure. he should be okay. <laughs> uh, I was more concerned with, like, during the practice session, they couldn't practice running up and down the escalators. And they could not. You were, tr- you were exactly right. And those escalators aren't moving at night. So they're yeah. just basically stairs and stairs. big staircases. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that would have added at least 20, 30 seconds to his time. The timing of all of this, like, it, it does strain credulity a little bit. Even just in the course of the episode, I feel like it takes longer. I mean, obviously, it does because he bonks his noggin. <laughs> right. <laughs> Most Ultimately, righteously. It matter, yeah. <laughs> but even up till then, it, yeah, it felt like it was taking longer than that. It does. I was listening to The Insider once again. It. Apparently, it took like 11 minutes for him to complete these runs. He did yeah. a couple of them, like full runs all the way through mm-hmm. without stopping. And yeah, it took like 11 minutes total. So, they're definitely fudging the numbers <laughs> uh, a little bit with the, the editing. But honestly, I didn't I didn't really notice. I, the, the thing about it is it's... They know, right? They know how much time they have. They know how much time, how much stuff they can steal in that time, mm-hmm. and ultimately, like, knock a couple of numbers off the mnemonic, and you'll get your time down. Sure. So, like, I don't know. We have some feedback later that I I want to talk more in depth about that. But okay, we'll get there. Yeah. One last thing here before we move on is uh, there's a reference to Walt. Which mm, is pretty overt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like it's really hard to miss. Fifty something comes in with no money, can't pay his mortgage, and then he's got cash the size of a Volkswagen. Uh, yeah, he's talking about Walt. He's very clearly talking about Walt. Yeah, when he's uh, Jeff is saying that the scam is crazy. He's like, you know what's crazy? This guy. He, I love how he, you know, touts the triumphs of walt making millions of dollars in a year doesn't mention all he doesn't mention the aftermath (laughs) or the pre-math all the deaths and sure the cartel yeah just the just the the math yeah no all the things he had to do to get there and Mm -hmm. the dude's dead now the dude's dead from the cancer and he lost his entire family before he died not to death yeah, and also I'm being hunted because of that. And like, <laughs> right. there's so much stuff here that he leaves out of this story that it's almost laugh out loud hilarious. It is pretty funny. Funny, sad. Mm-hmm. So next, we are back at the mall where the department store manager gets a weird late night delivery, and then the con is on. Yeah, the con is on. I thought I was being conned in this scene myself. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I see these scuffs on the floor. Yeah. And I, my head immediately goes, oh, they've already done the heist, and Jeff was wearing black shoes, and this right. is going to tip them off to know, hey, that scuff wasn't there when we closed last mm-hmm. night. What happened? And it turns out, no, that's just the reason that the floor gets polished. In so that the one Jeff spot. will slip on it later. Yeah. 
which, okay, that makes sense. I didn't even make that connection with that part of the scene. I'd kind of, the scuff mark had just like left my memory until the second watch. And I saw it again, like, oh, that's the exact same spot that he slipped. Okay, gotcha. And I knew it, you know, couldn't have been after the con because then we go immediately to the loading docks where Mm -hmm. there's a big box delivered. And I'm like, oh, Jeff's There's a big man-sized box, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Obviously. Uh, Yes. But yeah, this whole thing is great. It is. So they, so Jeff is in the box, obviously. And as soon as the coast is clear, he gets going. But getting going isn't, him getting out of the box is included in his time. Yeah. And, and running back and forth between the store and the loading dock is mm-hmm. in his time, which I didn't realize until this scene. Which is why I was like, mm, three minutes, all right, fine. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Tough to do. You got to run faster. You got to choose faster, too. Can't be so picky, man. Yeah. He's looking through, checking the tags for the, size. Oh, my God. The sweaters. Yeah, he's, like, picking specific <laughs> right. colors of sweater. Like, dude. Feeling them. He's you're... feeling them as, as he, Ooh, he just sits cashmere. there and rubs the cashmere for, like, yeah. three seconds. Like, clock's ticking, man. Get going, man. Uh, uh, so that goes fine until it doesn't. Yeah, I, real quick, I wanted to go back to the the scene with the loading dock where mm-hmm. uh, she calls up, you know, the the company that turns out to be Saul, the department Jean. store manager. Yeah, yeah, um, and Jean like sells this whole story about like how they can't get out there, they can't take <laughs> the box because the fish, and and there's a shot at the very end which I really love. It's Jean closing the sale is essentially what he's doing. He's sealing the deal here and he's looking directly at himself in the mirror while he does it, uh, where he's like saying, no, thank you. I mean, he's seeing his old self, right? He's Mm -hmm. like, this is like him watching those commercials except in real time. Yeah. And it was just such a nice, subtle moment. He's getting that. He's getting that old thrill again. Yeah. Which I think is important to understand when we get to the end of this episode, especially. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, great, great stuff. And, you know, when this thing starts to go wrong, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's even funnier. Um, oh, that the moment, the moment where he slips mm-hmm. and knocks the shit out of the back of his head. The way they like edit and cut that, it yes. was so jarring, but it's also kind of hilarious because yeah. Gene is all, chokes on his coffee at the same time. Uh-huh. The, the editing there is so good. They're showing. <laughs> Every, I, I mean that what must have taken you know half a second is drawn out to like four or five seconds yeah. in the edit and you get to see everybody's realization of what's happening their reaction to it yes uh all at the same time it's very good throughout the, the next like a minute of this scene they keep cutting back to jeff just <laughs> no. just full starfish on the floor it's knocked out yeah. cold and i'm just cracking up the whole <laughs> me time me too i'm laughing just thinking about it it's that I that was my somebody got hurt that sucks but that was my favorite bit of this yeah. episode I think yeah and then watching him improvise to moment. try and yes. keep Frank's attention while you know this thing is going on he the digs into monitors. digs into fake pain accidentally discovers real pain I I love it there's a, yeah. a tinge of truth in this sad story right and it, that's something that Jimmy pulls from a lot. Mm-hmm. If you notice, a lot of his scams are like half-truths that reveal something about himself. And I feel like I, I've i gotten a better handle on who he is over the years. Um, 
sometimes I wasn't quite sure if he was actually feeling those moments or if he was just putting on a, a you know sad face because he needed to for the con. Right. And I think it's both. I mean, I think there are there the things he's done do haunt him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also willing to exploit them for gain. <laughs> yeah. No. He every <laughs> every bit of trauma is just another tool in his toolbox. Yeah. That hurts to use, but also if you have it, why not use it, right? It's a lot like the writers of the show, right? <laughs> we call it strip mining the past yeah. uh, on this. But yeah, every wrinkle they add to a character, every bit of trauma they will grab a hold of and use as a story hook later. If you can't run from it, use it. Yep. The other thing about these, this confession is I was kind of hoping we'd get a hint as to Kim's fate. Yeah, you were, you were like... You were like sweating. There was like a little bit of drool coming yeah. out of the corner. You're like, Mention Frank your wife. A Mention your wife. Yeah. And he said he doesn't have a wife. And that's all he said about Which it. Which I think is some information. I mean, if we're saying that, look, this this lie that he's telling here isn't a lie. It's actually the truth. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, the truth told for a nefarious purpose. Then him saying he doesn't have a wife, I think, is important because the question has been. For the longest time, like, where is Kim during Breaking Bad? Sure. Kim, like, we haven't seen Kim around. Doesn't necessarily mean she isn't around. Mm-hmm. I think this kind of confirms that she did not escape with Gene. You know, she wasn't also whisked away right. by the disappearer uh, and taken to Nebraska. No, she is gone. Yeah, he could also just be lying, but... I don't think so. That, yeah, That's it the thing. Seem like, like, if it. he wanted to tell a lie, he could have told him anything. Yeah. Literally anything. But he's telling him bits of truth from his own life here mm-hmm. it's true yeah. trying to mine that for <laughs> to buy himself dime yeah for poor jeff to wake up <laughs> and very does. a very disorientingly like yes gather his ill-gotten goods and like stumble <laughs> like a ghost no no like a shadow like a shadow <laughs> god i love him stumbling around yeah, it was good. And now we know a little bit more of the story behind uh, the actor and mm-hmm. the troubles that he was having <laughs> during yeah. that day of shooting, running back and forth. Uh, it really got to him, apparently. Apparently, he needed oxygen and a nap at one point. Yeah. Uh, the, I guess the altitude there is higher than I expected. It's a mile higher. It's about a mile, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, running around for 10 hours is going to be tough on anybody. Definitely. And... Why doesn't Jeff just get back in the box? Why doesn't he just get... I Instead of the bathroom ploy? My assumption is that it is far too full of luxury goods at that point, because he does grab a lot of stuff. It it does seem like it would be easier, but maybe you couldn't breathe in there either. (laughs) Maybe there wouldn't be an air hole. Yeah, a bunch of hours in there as opposed to... You after know, maybe an hour. And after he's just been running like hell, so he's kind of out of breath. Yeah, Yeah. you could be right. I didn't see any air holes, and that would kind of give it away if there were air holes. I would so much rather hide in a bathroom than a box. Yeah. Let me tell you. A bathroom's you a good sit. choice, you know, unless they check it in the morning, <laughs> which they wouldn't. I mean, you clean it at night, mm-hmm. and then you just assume that no one has been in there shitting it up. Yeah, in that the wouldn't. I wouldn't. That wouldn't cross my mind yeah. if I were opening a store. I mean, you can just walk out like you did, right? He's so, <laughs> yeah. he's so stiff. And there's, you know, some good details about that in the Insider Podcast <laughs> about 
what Michelle McLaren told him. What was it? Yeah, her her directorial note for him as he's leaving the store. I guess he didn't look uncomfortable enough. She said, pretend that you have hemorrhoids. Walk like you have hemorrhoids. Walk like you have hemorrhoids. Yeah. <laughs> and he does. And, and he does. I, I was driving when I was listening to that part of the Insider podcast, and... That cracked me up a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I read the scene back in my mind because I remember the way he was walking when I was watching it the first time. I'm like, come on, man. You can be more natural than that. Right. <laughs> because he's walking like he's walking like his booty hole hurts. Yep. It's like it's puckered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a good note. Really funny. Good stuff there. Amazing. Uh, also, recommendation. Um, I... I'm not sure if he slept in the bathroom, but you shouldn't sleep with a concussion, which he almost certainly has. You should not sleep with a concussion. You're yeah. right about that. Don't go to sleep when you got a concussion. Get to a doctor. Oh, man. This is before smartphones. What the hell did he do the rest of the night? I <laughs> mean, he just slept. <laughs> oh, no. But but how do you sleep in a toilet stall? Like, you sit on the toilet and... I can't sleep on an airplane. There's no way I could sleep in a toilet stall. Sit on the toilet, lay your head against the wall. That's like it. You're going to end up on the floor. You're going to end up on the floor. You're going to end up like missing your wake-up cue. Yeah. Maybe. And then you could just pretend to be a homeless guy who <laughs> wandered in. They sure. didn't see him. Yeah, sure. Certainly looks a bit disheveled. By the time he, he leaves, his hair is wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bless him. Uh, ready to move? Mm-hmm. All right. Second to last, I guess, scene, if you want to count the very last bit of scene. The conspirators meet in Jeff's garage the next day, and Gene lets them know just how many felonies they committed together. And here's where the final wrinkle comes into the plot, right? Yep. It was not just a way to appease this guy. It was a way to entrap this guy. Mm-hmm. So he's got the mutually assured destruction. He runs through the whole list of like, yeah, I was honestly thinking Rico might be mentioned once he started talking <laughs> about state lines, and then I'm like, eh, yeah, probably doesn't exactly apply, but uh, curious to know what the lawyers out there think. We've mm, got a couple of them who write yeah. in. Uh, there might be a little legal stuff to do here, legal legwork. Uh, yeah, if he goes down, they go down. Mm-hmm. They agree that they're done. Do you think they really are? It takes far too many repetitions. Mm-hmm before jeff finally says we're done so yeah i that no it's like we were saying at the top of the episode there's no way this isn't coming back in some way yeah and it's also the way that you know they have gene with a little pep in his step and Mm -hmm. feeling like he's pulled off the perfect scam i this is gonna turn sour there's always just there's always something yeah there's always something Something that he didn't think about. I mean, I, I can think of two things right away. Does he still have to bring Cinnabon to Frank every day? <laughs> oh, Is he going to stop doing yeah. that? What will Frank say if he does? Right. Uh, the other one, does he still have to keep visiting Marion every so often? <laughs> what if she wants to come to his house or just pops in unannounced? Where's your dog? Where's Nip Nippy? Where is Nippy? Yeah. Uh, you don't look like you own a dog. What the hell, dude? I don't see a single piece of dog hair anywhere in this apartment. Your furniture looks fine. You have no food bowls. You have no food bowls. There's not like just a hint of a smell. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Yeah. I I think there are loose ends here. 
Definitely, um, but and his Jeff and, and yeah, his friend being the biggest loose ends, but right, and we know nothing about his friend who is <laughs> credited as Jeff's friend, and they call him Buddy, like you told me in the Insider podcast. Um, yeah, we don't know anything about this guy other than he no. has he does have a dog. Yeah, he, he strikes me a little like Meth Damon was. <laughs> uh, Shit, what's his real name? We call him Meth Damon so much. Oh, he's Todd in the show. Todd, thank you. Yeah. God, Meth Damon. I forgot all about that. You chuckle fucks. Yeah, right? Like, he's he's not slow per se. He's just a little, like, tuned out and, he's, like, whatever. Yeah, he's not, not an Doesn't overly complicated much. person. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Just a simple guy, and that's yeah, fine. Yeah, simple guy, simple desires. I wish I was a simple guy. I'd like to have... Head empty. Uh, no thoughts. Dog. Head empty. Yeah. yeah. No. No thoughts. Head empty. Dog on leash. That'd be pretty nice. Sure. <laughs> Until you have to walk it every day. That's not nice anymore. True. Outside. Yuck. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I assume he has to keep doing those things at least for a little while, at least for the seventy-two hours. Mm-hmm. But then what? Then what? Indeed. <laughs> also, what I love. We're talking about all these loose ends. The loose end, it won't be probably anything that we've mentioned. Right. right. Delightfully. Because these writers are better writers than we are. Thank God. Yeah, maybe... Uh, I don't, did Jeff <laughs> leave something in the bathroom stall? Look at you trying to, trying to find it. Why would he, Was he, why so would he do that? that he... <laughs> That he climbed atop of the toilet. I don't even know if uh-huh. mall toilets have an upper deck. I, I think it's all built in. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's too dangerous. Specifically to prevent uh-huh. idiots from doing that. Yeah. Just asking for an upper deck. Just or if you, asking for it. If you have a deck. You're asking for an upper. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's an upper and a downer. And a dumper. I don't know. You're right. There will be some other wrinkle. There will be. Looking forward to seeing what that is. I like that Jeff's mom says the gene's a good influence. Oh, God. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a nice touch. Yeah. They cleaned up some of the loose ends because I was really wondering, like, what um, the first time through when I watched this, what would Marion say? Like, what does Marion think happened to her scooter? Mm, but then mm-hmm. they make they make it clear that, like, Gene fixed the scooter. With some electrical tape. Yeah. And yeah, dubious, I would definitely but... I would definitely be looking at my scooter like, wow, it looks like somebody cut that. <laughs> right. I mean, a clean cut like that, that doesn't just happen. That's... Right. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they throw in a line there to clean that up makes me think that some of these other loose ends are actually loose ends. It might be. But we'll might see. Be. We will see. Uh, I guess in the very last bit of this episode, call it a scene if we want... We watch Gene moon over a truly awful shirt tie combo at the oh, department God. store. This is the what other. What is this about? This is an intentional loose end, in my opinion. This yeah. is this is the SG was here mm-hmm. of the department store. Yeah. Uh, this is him marking his territory, a calling card. Uh, mm. I feel like this is a new style entirely, though. This is not Saul. This no, is not no, the, the it's too loud. So yeah, yeah, Saul doesn't do a lot of like over-the-top patterns really he does more like bright colors bright colors things that are not things that wouldn't be super acceptable at say hhm or no they're <laughs> incredibly Maine. offensive but for different reasons these yeah. are these are pattern-based offenses and i get that you have to do that in a black and white 
thing, right? Like you can't show <laughs> a, an off-white shirt with a gray yeah, tie and say, sure. "Ooh, I'm offended." So you got to go with patterns. But this felt to me like Gene creating his own style. Yeah, his it's own like a new. Card. It's a new thing. It calls yeah, back a little bit to again. yeah. It calls back to that red jacket that he's pulling on in the promos. Yeah, because that is not that's not really a Saul Goodman thing either. And if he looks like Gene about in it. that too, right? He's he does older, look like Gene. So. Yeah, he's got the glasses still. He's got the freaking mustache. The comb over. Yeah, the it's all there. Uh, <laughs> know, he the always over. kind of has a comb over. He always has a comb over. It's a comb back yeah. instead of a comb over. <laughs> so to me, yeah, this is him saying, I'm back, baby. Maybe or, or I, I want to be back. Mm-hmm. But also I can't actually afford to buy the shirt <laughs> on Cinnabon salary. Yeah. I suppose. No, I mean, he's got, he's got cash. Oh, I know. He has cash. cash. He has diamonds. He has all kinds of shit. Remember, he has like a little Uh matchbox or something just full of diamonds, whatever it was. Yeah. Card box. Jewels. Jewels. I've got a, I got a couple of baggies of diamonds too upstairs. Yeah. You're a jeweler. Jeweler. (laughs) Yeah. more reasonable for me to have it. And you're also a museum robber. So it makes shh, double sense. Shh, shh. <laughs> you, excuse me. I, I believe the term is cat burglar. Ah. Is it? I then, don't know. Why I do we only have one cat with... then? Never mind. We have two. Secretly, I'm the second oh, cat. Shit. You've had a oh, oh no. you've had a cat this whole time. You've had a cat for seven years, boy, and I, you didn't even I know it. You were hiding a second cat from me. I didn't think you were the cat. <laughs> it is me. It is I who is the cat. <laughs> No, I will not hide a second cat, nor will I get a second cat. I'm good with one, thanks. And I also love the, let's call it complicated, the complicated look that Gene gives as he walks into this department store. In the very beginning of this last bit, yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot in that look. And it, it lingers on him for like three seconds or so as he kind of observes the place. And it goes from like investigation of how well this went. Like he's here mm-hmm. walking in very sort Checking of trepidatiously. Checking the vibe. It's a vibe check. Yeah. Yep. Doing a vibe check, making sure no one's on to him. And once he sees. And once it passes the vibe check, he's like almost a little disappointed in humanity. He's like, ah, oh, you rubes. He's like, that's so, so easy. easy. Yeah. How, how, why have I not been doing this? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. More often. It's like, he's forgetting all the trouble. It's like, he's forgetting why he's here. Yeah. It's, ah, it's got, he's got a taste. He got I a little know. whiff. He caught I a know. whiff of Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Get it? S-I-N. He did. And then he leaves that outfit, and I'm like, well, okay. SG not only was here, but is here. Yeah. I would love to see that shirt and tie in color, by the way. Yeah. It's like the one part. I do wonder if they're going to bring Gene into color by the end of this. There's no real reason they have to shoot it in black and white once mm-hmm. he turns back into the Jimmy we know. I mean, that's been my assumption the whole time is that the reason why his scenes have been black and white is because he has been stripped yeah. of this life, basically. Mm-hmm. The, the life, the verve, the, mm-hmm, the vigor. Yeah. So now that he's got a taste of it, um, you know, maybe they start to bleed the color back in, or maybe they just go full color next time. That'd be kind of neat if they did, <laughs> like they did at the very beginning of this season. The very the teaser for the beginning of the season was the Saul Goodman Mansion, but the very first bit of that is the ties 
coming together into the box yeah. and they start out black and white because they are black and white ties and gradually they put in more colorful ties. Mm-hmm. Do that, but with the show, yeah, yeah, that could be neat. I think you're probably dead right there. Dead right. Dead right. It's the exact opposite of dead wrong. <laughs> I'm alive right instead of dead wrong. Live right. <laughs> uh, speaking of teasers, there's one final thing that they yeah. do before they leave us for the week. That's the post episode like teaser for next week. Um, mm-hmm. This time it's an overhead shot of a car pulling up to the crossroads, literal crossroads. The quintessential crossroads. Yep. yep. And the voiceover is <sighs> Gene, Saul, Jimmy speaking to someone saying, You get over it. Please believe me before you know it. You forget all about it. I think I hear Kim's voice in this saying, Okay. Yeah, it's it's debatable. It's debatable. Their voices can be very similar. Well, the reason I think it's times. Kim is because he's imploring somebody to believe him that they'll forget about something sure. that he would want them to forget about. Mm-hmm. And that to me feels like Kim, but it feels like, you know, we're, we're years too late for that in the gene yeah. timeline. So I'm wondering if we do get a flashback Next week, that's something more along the lines of the 2004 timeline that we were in. Yeah, we might. That would make sense. Something that is between the last episode of, you know, quote unquote, Better Call Saul and the Mm -hmm. Gene timeline. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming it's all about. But again, that's all predicated on the idea that he's talking to Kim because of that okay that sounds a lot like Kim to me that sounds I'm not a sure like, of. Yeah, it sounds a lot like uh, Bob Odenkirk to me. But <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> this is we're split. We are split on this one and it will be interesting yeah. to see who's right. We listened to it like even five are. times and I was like, that's Kim. And you were like, that's Jimmy. That sounds like Jimmy. Just like, you know, his voice isn't as gravelly because he's going up a little bit. Hmm. I don't You You guys go through and listen to that again. Tell me what you think. I think I'm right. We need to do a test here. I need to get some inflection going up, mm-hmm. get some inflection going down. Let's. Me? Let's try it. You going to try to sound like me? I don't know let's, that we are similar in voice, sir. Let's find out. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's it for the episode. God. We have a bunch of feedback to do. Yeah, let's get to it. Goofy Uh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) We start off with uh, stuff from last week. There there were a lot of questions, uh, a lot of answers to the one question, the big question we had about the water glasses. Like, why did they set them down on the railing before they went up to talk to Cheryl. Oh, those glasses. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, and boy, it's amazing how widely uh, you can interpret that one tiny <laughs> insert shot because we got like 15 different takes and almost everyone was different. I'm going to oh, read a good. few of them here. That means they're all wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're all right. Hmm. Schrodinger's take. Uh, Nate starts off here and says, the way I saw when Jim and Kimmy... No. Damn yeah. it. Jimmy and Kim... <laughs> set the water glasses on the banister before talking to Cheryl. It was uh, showing other people also ditching their drinks before the hard moment of condolences. So 
the the coffee or tea oh, cup there were that multiple we yeah mentioned yeah you think like that's cliff's cup and he just set it down before he went to talk to her or something like that i changed my mind i think this might be it <laughs> it could be it but i've got that's like five others here we go eric says uh you're wondering why the camera lingered on that moment uh it conveyed that jim and jimmy and Kim, stop writing jim people <laughs> jimmy and kim were only there to get in and get out as quickly as possible the glasses were just a mere prop in approaching and speaking to rich and then on to the next and then as an uh a quick as quick an escape as possible uh yeah as a prop i, I kind of like that hmm. uh joshua says I believe it's the equivalent to watching them or anyone shake themselves loose before uh, to prepare for a performance. It was much easier to talk to Richard about the closing of HHM, but to go talk to Cheryl, they need to bring their A game. So they've got the glasses with Rich because it's kind of casual, whatever. But then. Yeah, that's kind of in line with the first. Prepping themselves. The first take. Uh huh. Um, and then Jeremy goes into uh, a little more detail here. It says, I believe that the glasses or drinking, particularly alcohol, is a recurring motif for the collaborative strength of Jimmy and Kim and their relationship. Uh, the theme of drinking being a connection point for Jimmy and Kim in particular as part of a con comes up in many of Jim's Jimmy's scams happen at bars, starting with Marco, but then continuing on with Kim mm-hmm. in the Victor and Giselle era. Um in later seasons, Kim's like Kim likes to reflect on the balcony at their apartment, often leaving beer bottles on the rail or throwing them at the car park. Jimmy frequently joins in those moments. And during the classic Something Stupid montage in season four, episode seven, the split screen moment of the pair eating dinner together is bridged by a bottle of wine, which he attached the screenshot for. Uh, and then later there is no bridge and they are drinking takeaway coffees. Um, and also Zafiro Añejo is something that unites them. That's that's the Ken wins Victor and Giselle era too. Yep. Um, yeah, so the shots of the glasses in the scene at Howard's funeral is preempting the tag team scam of Jamie and Kim, denying their involvement with Howard's death to his wife. Of course, this time they're drinking water and not alcohol. The fun's over. That's my theory. Um, and then James has yet another take. Kim and Jimmy putting their glasses down uh, I took this to be literal Kim and Jimmy putting their purity down. Well, figurative. Yeah. Putting their purity down as they're about to lie their asses off to Howard's wife. All right. Sure. That works. All those work. Everyone's wrong and everyone's <laughs> right. No, I, I think my favorite one is still the first one because there were other glasses in that same place. That's one that makes, makes the most sense to me. It definitely makes a certain amount of sense. And I could also see it as like, we need to focus up here. Yeah, stealing uh, themselves for a yeah. difficult moment. And just like sensitivity, right? We're going to speak to this woman. We don't want to be fiddling with glasses <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah, something a little uncouth about just walking up casually sucking from a glass while you're talking about your dead husband. Yeah, totally. Uh, all right, let's move on from that and let's talk about the South Valley Uh, Charlie writes in, says the line about the cartel keeping the South Valley was clearly intended to match up with Tuco's rant in Breaking Bad Season 1, Episode 6. Nobody moves Crystal in the South Valley but Mm, me, bitch. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's an unincorporated neighborhood of Albuquerque, according to Wikipedia. Problem with the line is part of a larger problem with the franchise. The writers have never settled on the scale of either Gus's or the cartel's (laughs) operation. Yeah. 
In a few episodes, Gus is said to have restaurants and distribute meth in states from Texas all the way to Nevada, making him an El Chapo-sized kingpin. Uh, However, he's also shown to be personally acquainted with and care about the fate of a couple of street-level dealers, as if he were a small-time gangster running a handful of blocks. From a staffing perspective, the criminal side of Gus's organization doesn't seem much bigger than 20 people, with characters like Mike, Tyrus, and Victor showing up to handle both tiny problems like Jane's OD and massive ones like poisoning the entire cartel's senior leadership. If we're to take the line literally that the cartel runs the South Valley directly, while Gus has the entire North, except... Uh, then then that produces the absurd map which he embedded below, which essentially shows six states that are Gus's and then this tiny dot in Albuquerque for Hector. Sure. Seems unfair. Um, so maybe the north just means northern Albuquerque, but in that case, how do we account for his Poyos empire extending into so many states? Uh, not the first franchise to play fast and loose with geography, but it doesn't bother my suspension of disbelief too much. Just a head scratcher. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree with you. They have not done a great job defining any of that stuff. And it's, you know, if they were going to get into the logistics of it um, and that was going to be a plot point, I think they'd have to define that better. Mm -hmm. But because this show is all about, you know, character and the way people react to situations they're in, I don't think it matters as much. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. All right, let's move on to Tyler then. Um, Going back to right before Better Call Saul aired, uh, Aaron and I were apparently doing our season two rewatch of uh, coverage of Breaking Bad. Um, And I mentioned my highest hope is that Better Call Saul is 95% as good as Breaking Bad, and that would be a tremendous achievement. We're so close to the end, but at this point, do you think the show has achieved that incredibly high mark? I think so. Um yeah, like I said, I, I think there's an argument to be made that this is a better show than Breaking Bad. Uh, technically, certainly. I'm I, I'm still definitely a bigger fan of Breaking Bad. I think it's more fun for me to watch. And maybe it's just because of the time in my life that I watched it and mm-hmm. the fun I had covering it and all that stuff. Not that I'm, you know, having less fun now, but definitely it's, it's different. I've been doing this for many, many years uh, at this point, over a decade. And Breaking Bad was the first show that we really covered. So I was like super excited about it and it was all brand new. And there's something inherently exciting about something being new. Yeah. Um, so it will always be my first love for sure. But Better Call Saul is becoming a very close second. It, it's a very good show. Yeah. And 95%. Absolutely. I think it's hit that. I think so too. I They are different shows in... Uh, pardon me for using this word again, but like in vibe Mm -hmm. because Better Call Saul is much more of a character-driven drama where some Better Call Saul, is that what I said? That's what I meant to say. Uh, I think you might've said Breaking Bad is. Okay, Better Call Saul, where Breaking Bad is a lot more the action and the, the weird scenario, right? The scenario of this 51 thank you very much 51 year old Mm -hmm. uh school teacher going full meth head or not meth head um meth cook yeah there there is a lot of character there's a lot of character uh drama in that still Mm -hmm. definitely but i feel like it is more about the drug stuff sure yeah it's more plot driven yeah it's Um, more still character driven but 
in service of this very specific idea they had for the plot. And this show absolutely takes its time more than Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is a fucking cannonball run, man. It is Mm -hmm. like with few exceptions, every episode just hits harder and faster than you think it's going to. This show is the exact opposite. This show meanders around and takes its time and it's rewarding Mm -hmm. in its own way. It's just not the same. Yeah, just things develop differently. Yeah. In the different shows. I better call Saul is maybe a little bit more of a and I don't mean this to like put down anybody who likes Breaking Bad because I like Breaking Bad too, but Better Call Saul is maybe a little bit more of an adult show. Like a oh. grown up show. It's more of a grown up show. Oh my heart. In the sense that there is a, you know, Dashed. pulse pounding action all the time or whatever. It's not <laughs> like you said, a cannonball run. It is more thoughtful. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I do. So I think they're both great, just in different ways. Yep. All right. Zach says, I apologize if this feels like old news after the next episode. This was before he had seen this one. Uh, but something I thought was a nice touch last week was Jimmy telling Kim that time would go by and they'd think about what happened to Howard less and less until they didn't think about it at all. This is the same line that Mike used on Jimmy to make him feel better about what happened in the desert. Mm-hmm. And it worked on Jimmy, but it didn't work on Kim. This pairs well with Mike telling Nacho's dad that there will be justice for his son, but that line of thinking not working on him. And it shows that the non-criminals in the show think differently from criminals. By Kim not accepting that line of reasoning, the writers draw a line between her and Jimmy. Jimmy and Mike are criminals. Kim is not. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think Kim brushed right up against the criminal world and she could have easily gone there but it but wasn't she chose it wasn't to, to her taste yeah the thing is like she also could have easily pulled jimmy back from it because mm-hmm. jimmy was leaning out away from it yeah and she had her hand on his shoulder and she pushed him back toward it yep. when she could have pulled him away and that was that's a dark moment for kim but you're right it's not the criminal moment for kim mm-hmm and she she was doing it in service of a greater good still. So even her criminality had something better in the future behind it. You know, it was still a it was more of a Robin Hood criminality as opposed sure, to sure. Jimmy's just straight up getting, yeah, it's, getting it's his criminality. The Mike thing, right? Like not everybody who breaks the law is a bad person. Yeah. You're a criminal. Mm-hmm. And then that can be you know for good or bad uh all right josh h writes in and says hey alexa i mean alexis <laughs> and jim i see what you did there yep uh we had to abandon the kim is windy theory due to the events of the hit and run episode <laughs> earlier this season forgot that was a theory in its place i thought jim mm. would particularly <laughs> enjoy the lyle is sketchy theory do you remember sketchy Sketchy's one of the guys who hung out at Jesse's house after he turned it into a, a party house. Yes, I do remember Sketchy. Uh, and if if you didn't know what he looked like, there's there's a picture of him here for you. Sorry to everyone. Everyone out there, just Google. Ask, uh, no, hey, yeah. Google, look up Sketchy from Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he sent in a screenshot uh, of the two side by side here, and they kind of look <laughs> identical. 
Very and similar, yeah. He says, I don't know how seriously to take this, but it's made the rounds online. Could it be <laughs> that Lyle proves himself to be such a good employee that Gus brings him into the meth operation where he eventually samples the product and takes a very dark path that leads him to Jesse's flop house parties in season four of Breaking Bad? It, judging by this picture, yes, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I mean, all things are possible under the sun, right? Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at these. This way. I keep leaning away from the mic. Um, I am looking at these pictures. They are quite convincing. It is uh-huh. a vaguely ginger white boy. Uh, one looking much more tired and drawn out than the other. Yeah, long faces with, with eyes. both confused uh, or I don't know looks nah <laughs> I, I could see it I could absolutely see it um Josh also says in, in the insider podcast Peter Gould made specific reference that Carol Burnett, Burnett was gracious to come to Albuquerque for a good long while yet in this episode she was only a handful of scenes also that's a pretty big talent only used for a single episode what do you think about the possibility of her threatening Jean because Jeffy confesses to her about the heist this episode for what it's worth i'd love for this character um i'd love this for her character because as a kid i saw carol net as the scammy scummy miss hannigan 1982 <laughs> annie movie all right yeah i got potential spoiler information here no if anybody wants to know you've been warned she's also credited on imdb as being in next week's episode Ooh. so that could be exactly what happens she could connect the dots jeffy Mm -hmm. could get caught with some of his contraband like what why do you have number nine your lacy lingerie is mine jeffy (laughs) what is this doing in my garage you don't have a girlfriend i know that's not a master cylinder (laughs) sure yeah you definitely don't have a girlfriend there's no possible way you have a girlfriend mean yeah yeah i mean it is that is a good question. I hadn't thought about that angle, too. How is he actually going to fence all this stuff? And how is he going to do it in a way that he doesn't immediately get caught? Because he's not how. like a criminal mastermind. Maybe that's the no. wrinkle. Yes. That's the thing, the angle we haven't seen is this guy has to fence this stuff. And he's a dope, so he's not going to do it right. And you you would think Saul would know. The, the gene would know that, right? Yeah. The like gene should help rusty. him fence this stuff. He's rusty. Rusty gene. Because like he said, if they go down, he goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the what the deal is there. I don't either. But it's very likely Carol Burnett will be back. We'll see. Anyway, Bob writes in and says, I like to think that uh, Saul swiped the handicap tag from a deceased client in 2008. God. <laughs> I, I agree. That seems exactly like Saul. Grandma right? does seem exactly like Saul, though. Like he goes to comfort the family or something at the funeral, and then he's snagging the handicapped he's spot. Got some sticky fingers. Sticker. Yeah. Uh, Anthony writes in, says, "Big fan from Australia. For many seasons now, I've been wondering if we will see Emilio. Uh, when mm. we first meet Jesse, he is cooking with Emilio. Mm-hmm. Also, when Jesse takes Walt to see Saul, he says Saul got Emilio off. I've not heard on your podcast or on social media this theory at all. So if it happens, I want some serious brownie <laughs> points." What's your name again? Anthony. Anthony from Australia. All right. I'll put a pin in that. Yeah. But you'll have to also write in to claim them. It's just how this works. 
I will forget almost certainly. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, all right, Mike. Mike writes in and says, literally two minutes into Nippy, and I noticed as Gene is approaching Carol Burnett on the sidewalk, dramatic music starts playing. Is it just me or is this the first time in the show's history that a music cue other than a popular song has been used? Not sure what it means, but it struck me as interesting. Uh, the show is maybe more subtle about its musical cues, but I think they're still there. The silence is me trying to run back in my mind. I don't know Every that I would even... Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't even song. know that I would make that distinction. So, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I'm notoriously bad for listening to music unless it is a licensed song of some kind or a, mm. a rearrangement of a licensed song. I very often miss the music entirely. So, uh, I don't know. Not the best person to answer that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. All right, Garrett writes in, not sure if you guys or anyone else noticed this, but there was some incredible research into the continuity and the story of Nippy, particularly with all the Nebraska football banter. First off, Gene and Larry from Parks and Rec, no, Jerry from Parks and Rec, talk about a Nebraska football loss to Texas in the security room. This actually happened when they were ranked number five in 2010. Taylor Martinez set the record they mentioned, and the Huskies actually did move to the Big Ten like they mentioned later. Hmm. The details don't matter as much, but it is really cool that the writers dedicated so much focus into matching it up with the aforementioned 2010's timeline. Just a testament to the greatness of this show. Uh, yeah. It's a nice no, touch. They, they do the research. And I wonder how much of this is research. Like you were saying, you know, do they go and Google the song that they want or <laughs> do they just pull things out of their head that they know mm-hmm. and they know them so well that it turns up like, okay, well, 2010, how can we anchor this in 2010 with a conversation? Right. I don't know, football. I know something about football. In 2010, this was happening. Yeah. All right, we'll have them talk about it. Sure. Uh, that's probably more likely. You know, it's it's write what you know, right? Sure. If you can write what you know, you don't have to do any research, and it <laughs> saves you a lot of time on a production that's already uh, squeezed for time. Yeah. I suppose that makes sense. All right, Reginald writes in and says, palate cleansers like pickled ginger and sorbet. Mm-hmm. Serve a vital purpose of being a neutral flavored bridge as you enjoy going from one strong flavor to the next. Nippy serves the same purpose by being better called Saul's Bico. I get none of these food references, by the way. Apparently, Bico is a Filipino sticky rice cake. Mm. It, pickled ginger you and know. sorbet. Yeah. Sorbet? Sorbet? You know what sorbet is. Yeah, like a fruit. Uh, ice. ice cream, essentially. It's, not, it's just ice. There's no cream in it. Yeah, fruit-based fruit based ice cream is what I think of it as. <laughs> it's not ice cream. I know. It doesn't have milk in it, so it's not ice cream technically. But Pickled ginger? What are you... What are you sushi, man. It, it's sor- yeah, I know about the sushi, okay. but sorbet? Is that a palate cleanser? Between what? I don't know. I don't it doesn't know. matter. <laughs> it, doesn't, it really could not matter less. <laughs> okay. I'm assuming Reginald has a point here, uh, and we're about to get to it palate cleansers just think in those terms the last few episodes have been full of spicy breakups and stare downs we've been feasting on calorie dense drama and death with nippy it was nice to take a slower pace and enjoy some slapstick humor the show's message about good guys finishing last is getting a little tedious though bcs seems to want everyone to know a few things if you're kind and accommodating like kathy or jimmy's parents you're a naive sheep that's going to get taken advantage of by wolves that are far smarter than you if you want to talk about mundane things like sports instead of bloody wine, you're an unsophisticated slob. Whoa. Oh, did hmm. the show ever say that about Jerry? Mm-mm. Frank? Sorry. 
I don't think so. Jerry, Terry, Larry, Gary. It's a a joke. It's a Parks and Rec joke. If you're a regular job, if you have a regular job while looking after your elderly and slightly cranky, thank you, mother, (laughs) then you're a loser. A little pessimistic, yeah, but hey, this is a better call Saul Breaking Bad Universe and we all know what we signed up for. Anyway, all in all, Nippy was a pleasurable episode because it gave us a chance to catch our breath for a second before the roller coaster starts up again. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Like I said at the top of the podcast, I did thoroughly enjoy this episode, even if it did not, you know, <laughs> punt the ball down the field very far. Yeah, me too. I like the idea of it as a palate cleanser. Plus, you're getting a little bit of Slip and Jimmy again. Mm-hmm. A Slip and Jimmy scheme, which we've always loved. Yeah. And that's kind of what we were excited for, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out of the, the previous seasons with the gene stuff we're like okay when he says he's gonna take matters into his own hands it's gotta mean a scam it's gotta mean a scam because that's that's his whole deal yeah and we kind of lost that on the other end of this show right the 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 jimmy stuff that's been happening lately has been horrible yeah. and he's been getting brutalized by it a lot of the fun has been sucked out and that was a problem with breaking bad toward the end too mm-hmm. and invariably they found little ways to keep the humor all the way through the end of that show. And I think the gene stuff here really helped out with that for yeah, the show. For sure. All right. Scott's up next says, uh, providing more detail. He, he did provide some more detail on the timeline of the football conversations. And then he had two other points of note. Um, obviously we haven't gotten to the November 12th, 2010 phone call that Francesca takes mm-hmm. has to be Kim calling on his birthday, right? That should be fun. I assume so. Now, there's a lot of snow on the ground, and it's if we haven't got to November 12th, it's got to be early November. Mm-hmm. I suppose you could have a lot of snow on the ground. I don't know what the snow situation is like in Nebraska, how soon that starts, how soon it started yeah. 10 years ago as opposed to now, now that everything's hotter. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't remember a decade ago. Um, and then point two here was they got the counting out the plan in rhyming couplets thing from the dirty dozen apparently it's a classic scene i've never mm. seen the dirty dozen i haven't either but can't believe you who, haven't seen it well yeah you who has seen everything except for the dirty dozen and the carol burnett show that's it those are your blind spots <laughs> i mean they're both way before my time <laughs> what can i do uh i've seen everything from 1980 on sure that, that probably is right uh, yeah, people who know the Dirty Dozen are like, yes, he's exactly right, I'm sure. Good. I'm happy you're all having this moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, James writes in and says, similarly to Jimmy carrying $7 million forever through the desert, did Jeff have to get some get to 20-some item categories stolen in around three minutes for the story to be told? Why not just 10 categories of stolen items? It would have made it more believable. Say half the time was spent lugging the items to the crate and storing them. That would give Jeff approximately 90 seconds for grabbing 20 categories or about 4.5 seconds per category. Uh, Yes. So I think this, the way I'm interpreting this is this was calculated greed. He could have gotten less and it would have been less risky. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if he couldn't have gotten his time down to what Gene wanted him to get it to, they would have just, yeah, started subtracting stuff from the mnemonic and just not steal as much. Right. And like I said earlier, it actually took 11 minutes to run this thing. <laughs> so, you know, they took some liberties with that. Um, and it probably feels like 
there's more than you could do in three minutes because you just couldn't do it in three minutes. Yeah, because there literally is more than you could do in three minutes. But mm-hmm. but we're all we're all just kind of <laughs> agreeing to be okay with that. Yeah, I think so. All right, Brett from Brooklyn says, I suspect I'm in the minority here, but I found this nippy episode to be just okay. Not bad by any means, but in the same way the previous episode made people realize that maybe they regretted wanting Jimmy to become Saul, I found myself not really invested in uh, an all-gene story, despite every previous season's opening priming me for one. While cool in execution, the department store caper didn't totally click with me, other than to see Gene getting some of his mojo back, but I don't think I needed to see that. They did such an incredible job with the fun and games episode the series could have ended there and i'd be just as fine not knowing what happened to gene as i am knowing exactly what gus was up to in chile uh not knowing exactly what gus was up to in chile uh i'll be watching till the end but if it's but it's more of a coast to a stop than a brace for impact i mean so far mm-hmm. i think you know there will be like we're we, building we again yeah we're building again for sure yeah that other shoe's gonna drop and it's probably gonna land right on him right on his stupid head stupid face (laughs) alright Tom writes and says this was the first episode in a while where I wasn't excited to rewatch while it was expectedly well crafted didn't reveal anything new about Gene it was slower than most episodes and the final twist was just Gene's harsh speech stating something that should have been obvious from the beginning that criminal co-conspirators can't turn each other in I really enjoyed Gene being spooned out over the seasons but it was usually in anticipation of an awesome Big conclusion, and this episode didn't meet those expectations. Hopefully, the remaining gene time will pay off better for me. Uh, yeah, I'm including some you know opinions that differ from mine for the sake of variety. Yeah, no, and so I don't I, think everybody loved this episode. Yeah, I I will say for my part, um, I've I'm feel positive about it, but I didn't love it either, and I also was not super mm. excited to rewatch it because I was like. 30 yeah. minutes of Cinnabon eating. All right, let's do it again, I guess. <laughs> That's true. It's a lot like, you know, Mike breaking down the car to yeah. find the, the gas cap tracker. Um, once you know what what the deal is, it's definitely harder to rewatch. And that, that's, mm-hmm. that's why I think, you know, I'm going to enjoy a rewatch of Breaking Bad probably even more than this show is because Breaking Bad just moves. You know, there aren't those scenes where they're like, yeah, yeah, I know about this. Let's just get on with it. Yeah. You can just enjoy the moment and the moment will be there for a moment, not (laughs) an entire episode. (laughs) So I get you, yeah. Um, But I watched it twice and each time I was laughing out loud. I I did, yeah. By the end, whenever (laughs) Jeff bonks his noggin again, I I was laughing again. Uh Yeah, no, it was still still a good episode. Uh, It was a building episode again, however... Mm -hmm. So you can, some people like that, some people don't. And then we, we can turn it back positive here with Joao, who writes in, this week's episode was really fun. We got to see Gene give us glimpses of Saul and how he hasn't forgotten how to pull his tricks. I think he's really happy with his current life in Omaha, at least as happy as he can be considering the circumstances, and he couldn't let some low-life taxi driver ruin it. Good old Saul, make your mama love him. While you hate him. <laughs> it was slipping Jimmy on steroids right down to the poor me bit with the guard when Jeff fell on camera. Yeah. Yeah. This is classic stuff. And I like to see it. And, and it, it piques my curiosity as to where Gene's going to end up, you know, because Gene could have lived that sad life until the day he died, sad and lonely, mm-hmm. uh, feeling unfulfilled because he wasn't Saul. Or he can go out with some flair here and probably get taken down. I wonder if that's his plan. 
if he's just like, you know, I'm not living a life here. Because hmm. I, I don't know, Joao says that he is happy with his life there in Nebraska. I'm mm. feeling the opposite. I don't think he's happy with it at all. I feel like he was neutral about it, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad life, I, I don't think. It's like, boring. I'm, it's boring. Sure, it's boring, but I don't know. I don't I don't have a huge <laughs> problem with that. Whatever. Uh, a boring life is not necessarily a bad life. No, no, but there are definitely people who can tolerate a boring life a lot more easily than others. Absolutely, and, and Jimmy is not one of those guys. Jimmy is longing for something more. Um, and I could see him saying, you know what, if I'm going to go out eventually, I'm just going to live my life on my own terms. And if I get taken down, I get taken down. Yeah, maybe this Albuquerque Isotopes dangler, because that's apparently what they're called, mm-hmm. uh, was just like his excuse to yeah. get back in the game. It feels like it. could be. All right, Jack says, to me, this episode was an excellent return to form for Jimmy. He never lost his slipping ways, even after facing his death multiple times and losing everyone who has ever loved him. Thinking of all the pain he's experienced in both shows, it is wild to me that he still had it in him to concoct this intricate heist. For this feedback, I just wanted to pick out the closing scene where he returns to the department store, finds a very Saul shirt and tie, holds it in front of himself in the mirror, and then hangs it back up. I saw some folks around the internet thinking this is his leaving... Wait, that his leaving the outfit behind was a sign of him deciding not to continue regressing into his old Saul and Jimmy ways. But I saw it as the opposite. Instead of putting the items back in place, he hangs the outfit on the rack's outer rung so it is in the most plain view possible. I think he went back to the store to admire his handiwork and leave this as a calling card. Uh, Yeah, I'm right there with you, Jack. I I think that's exactly what he was doing. And I think he's honestly just reinventing himself again. Mm -hmm. You know, he's done it so many times from... He, all the way back at his dad's convenience store, right? He yep. he kind of invents Slippin' Jimmy. And then, I mean, he didn't call himself that. But <laughs> it was a, a pejorative. But, yeah, he was Slippin' Jimmy. And then he created Saul Goodman. And now he's... And then he created Gene with mm-hmm. the help of, you know, a disappear, a vacuum man. And now I think he's creating someone new. I don't even think this is Slippin' Jimmy or Saul Goodman or any of those. I think this is his final form. Yeah, the person he needs to be for the point in his life that he is at. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm excited to see who that is over the next three episodes. Yeah, me too. Okay. (laughs) And we got one more email um, from Mantis Toboggan, who I think is a doctor of some sort. (laughs) Last I I heard. That's a reference. (laughs) Says, long time, first time. After watching the latest episode and reflecting on it, it suddenly occurred to me that Chuck is the cause of everything, not only in Better Call Saul, but the the later events of Breaking Bad as well. Hmm. Chuck brought Jimmy to the ABQ, and Chuck was partly the inspiration for Jimmy becoming a lawyer. Chuck, despite his attempt to do the opposite, turned Jimmy into Saul. Without Saul, Walt and Jesse never meet Mike. If they never meet Mike, they never reach Gus. In that alternate universe, Gus defeats the cartel and I'm fairly certain lives happily ever after. Sure, there were many decisions made by many other people along the way, but it always starts with an introduction. In this case, Saul introducing Walt and Jesse to Mike. Yeah, that's a fair point. And he mentions, you know, how Gus had Gale, so he wouldn't have really needed Walt. He Walt wouldn't was just have needed Walt. Him. Yeah, Walt was literally... <laughs> Gale only suggested Walt when he, he got horny about how pure his product was. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It was like point something percent more pure than his. Than his, yeah. And he was like, oh, that's like a huge leap. Is it Gale? Is it Gale? Or are you just a fucking nerd? He's a nerd. You nerd. You dead ass nerd. Yeah, I mean, there's a case, you know, to be made that Chuck's at the heart of all of this. I mean, I've, I've long argued that Chuck is, if not just partially, then maybe mostly to blame for Jimmy turning out who Jimmy is. Yeah, he never, Uh, he's one of these characters who just doesn't really get a chance in a lot of ways, because a lot of people are just preemptively shitting on him, mm -hmm. a little bit like Jesse. Yeah, they're biased against him for whatever perceived slight. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. And then, you know, Jimmy just doubles down on all that and makes things worse for himself, (laughs) but certainly he gets a bad rap. That's about it. That's all we got for this week. Yeah. Uh, We will, of course, be back for next week's episode on Wednesday. Uh, If you'd like to leave us some feedback to consider on that episode, you can do so at bcs at baldmove.com. I think that's it for this week. Uh, We'll we'll ponder that stuff more next week. Indeed. But until then, I'm Jim. I'm Alexis. See ya. Bye. Bye.